Hello there, ladies and gentlemen and fans of all ages. As you'll notice, Greg is not with us yet tonight. I hope he shows up soon. Welcome to the newest edition of the Five Heart Podcast, where we're going to talk Nebraska sports. And since it's John and I, we're going to talk about something very near and dear to us. It will be a surprise. So, introducing the founder of Corn Nation, my good friend, John Johnston. John, are the mosquitoes as big as parakeets up in Minnesota yet? You know, I see it's, uh, they haven't shown up. It's been a real, really cool uh, intro to summer so far. I mean, it's been in the 60s and 70s, so not a lot of mosquitoes yet. I've even been outside a little bit. Well, that makes life tolerable in Minnesota in the summertime if you don't have mosquitoes, because that's really about the only negative of being in Minnesota in the summer, isn't it? Yes. Because those are big flipping mosquitoes. They are, and it gets to be a pain, although I haven't noticed them as much lately, but maybe that's just because uh, I forgot about everything. My God, when it's this bright, Everybody can see how freaking messy my room is. We're going back to coolness. For anybody watching on YouTube, it's now much darker in my room, and you can't see the shit all over the floor um, (laughs) and in the background. And, well, you can – oh, whatever. I turned 60, Todd. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. You turned 60 on uh, June 6th. That'd be D-Day. Yeah. so um, obviously you were not there when the beaches in Normandy were stormed. That's because um, they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't let you go. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you were just a twinkle in a young man's eye at that point in time. Um, he was in the Pacific Theater. Pacific Theater. Okay. Yeah. He was in New Guinea and, uh, oh, there was a list of islands. I used to have a canteen or something of his. Anyway, yeah, he, he, he fought in the Pacific Theater. Well, so what, um, now that you've turned 60, I turned 60 back in November. And um, at least I'm pretty sure it was 60. I was off on my age for about five or six years. For some reason, I thought I was a year older than I really was. And then I did the math. And that was a really good feeling when I discovered I was actually a year <laughs> younger than what I thought I was. <laughs> so, um, so now that you've turned 60, what's, uh, what's the biggest eye-opener or the, the uh, epiphany that you've now had that you're the big 6-0? That I'm still here. Yeah. And it's not even because I was dead once from a heart attack. It's, it, I mean, come on, Todd. You saw me through college. You know damn well pretty much every, if we had a whole list of friends, including those that knew me like in high school, and they would have said, uh, what guy is most likely to die in a really stupid accident by 30? And then after you were 30, 45, and then 50, and then 60, every fucking one of you would have voted for me. Well, you know, I, it. I do have to say, you know, now that you mentioned that, if we were to, you know, kind of take our, our crew that we had back in college, the, the scum, the scum of the earth bunch, if we were to take them and then, you know, kind of include the, the hangers on and that type of thing and rank, who did we think would probably bite the dust the soonest? Yeah. I'd have to say, John, you probably would have been uh, towards the top of that list. Uh, yeah. 
Um, I, I think that uh, Carl Barlow and, and, and Kenny, whatever his name is, they might have uh, been <laughs> true. And Pat, um, the, those two golfers, I'll tell you what, they, uh, they, they, they destroyed my image of what a golfer is. Uh, <laughs> we probably shouldn't go into any stories about that. Probably. No, no, no. They, they are not here to defend themselves. Yeah. No, no, that, that would. Let's just to suffice it to say that. Uh, okay. What's next on the agenda? <laughs> no, I think 60, you know, I guess uh, I don't really. I don't know if there's any big lesson to take away from it, except for, you know, I tell younger people this, and since this is an old person show, I'm going to tell more. I hope young people are listening to this. You need to realize that when you're like, and I told, you know what I got to hit my, I think she's my great niece sent me a photo of her son who would be my great, great nephew, I think. Right. In, in football pads. And she said, first day of football practice. And when I had my family arena in Kansas, I argued with this kid about playing football and it's the only sport available to him. I think in Shelton or near Shelton. Uh, but I said, you know, you need to play a sport. Otherwise you're just going to sit around your ass and become a blob. Right. You know, because is there any sports other than football, you know, about small town, Nebraska probably doesn't have a huge variety, but uh, at the last day I was around him, I looked at him. He's sitting across from me at the dinner table. We're in this restaurant. I looked at him and I said, okay, since you, and nothing else has convinced you, I'll pay you 50 bucks if you play football and you complete the season. Bam, there he was. He was going to play football. But I, I looked at him and I said, you know, when I was a sophomore in high school, when I, in between my sophomore and junior years, I started lifting weights. And I lifted enough weights that there was a huge difference in playing football the next year. But mm -hmm. most importantly, I got my body into shape. And, and because I was that strong when I was young, it kept me strong into my 30. And I think the key is, is, you know, if you want to get to 60 and I have, I have a lot of friends that are like getting knee replacements and hip replacements. And my friend Brent wants to get his shoulders replaced. He played college football and beat himself to death, but, uh, and he's done well, he's crazy. Anyway, I mean, if you want to keep in shape, that's what you want. You don't want to turn into a 60-year-old person that can't do a lot of stuff physically. No, think, you need to those... keep take care of yourself when you're 30. So when you're 45, you can still do stuff. And when you're 40, you need to have the body you want when you're going to be 55 and 60. Because, you know, that shit does matter. No, I think I when, think you're making some really good points there. And And, you know, back when I was in high school, I was a I was a three or four sport athlete um, and kept in really good shape. Like a lot of, you know, I mean, you're a teenage boy and if you're out for athletics and, and, and uh, working on farms, throwing hay and all that kind of stuff all summer, you're going to be in pretty good natural shape. But I agree with you on the whole weightlifting thing. When I got into it, really got into it um, going into my sophomore year in high school, it, it definitely made a difference for me as, as far as how I could compete. But you know, as I look at it, look at life right now, um, I had a physical about three weeks ago because we moved. I need to establish a new, a new doctor. And, you know, you kind of start by going in and having a consultation and a physical and that type of thing. I will say I am heavier than I have been, you know, basically at any point in my life, which is frustrating. Um, but I do, uh, I do exercise daily. I've been 
picking up my pace on um, the uh, uh, treadmill, uh, lift weights at least four days a week. And, um, you know, when uh, the doctor, uh, who's probably about uh, nearly 20 years younger than me, he, he says, so just generally, how do you feel? And, you know, honestly, at, at 60 years old, I feel physically, um, mentally, emotionally, I feel the, the best that I felt since my teenage years, honestly. Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's even though, even though I'm way overweight and there are times, you know, when the old, the old feet and the knees and the, and the legs are a little tired of walking up all these steps, uh, because I'm carrying this extra lard, um, I really do feel better. Uh, now I figure if I can get some of that off, who knows what's going to happen. But I, I, you know, I think John, you know, both of us, you know, well, I've had a definite change in career, you know, in the last couple of years where anybody would tell you that being a high school principal is probably one of the most stressful occupations that, that there is, you know, and it's, it's pretty tough. You've worked in an industry where at times, um, you know, your stress level has been incredibly high. Um, I think you've made some lifestyle changes in the last, you've been forced to make some lifestyle yeah. changes, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think there's really a lot to be said about, you know, uh, the impact that stress has on a person's overall health. And I guess, you know, the way I kind of look at it right now, what is there for me to be stressed about? And, you know, I, I think, um, I think that's probably the big epiphany that I've had you know, at least in terms of my own health recently. So, and, and like you, you know, I remember, I remember when uh, a good old Doc Pignary, Doc Pignary was the doctor I went to when I was uh, a kid. And uh, we were in there one time because I, I had an issue with a knee and, and uh, um, I remember Doc Pignary telling my mom, well, Mrs. Wolverton, your son's probably going to count on multiple surgeries before it's all over. He is so loose jointed and with all the wear and tear that he's been putting on his body, he says, I'm not sure it's all going to hold together. Well, Doc Pignari was wrong. I've had a knee surgery, but it was just a very minor one, but nothing with my shoulders, nothing with my hips, nothing with my knees, knock on wood. I'm not going to have uh, any fake parts when, when I bite the dust. So. Yeah, I you know, I think the goal is to stay as healthy as you can so you can do as much as you can. And then in that one moment when you're walking on a trail in northern Minnesota and you see the bear that's going to end your life, you can fight that son of a bitch to a draw. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, heck. Well, so what, what's going on in the world? Oh, you know what we did for my birthday is we went out and played disc golf. Because my my son Noah, my oldest son, is a he's into disc golf and he has like eighty three hundred discs and he knows about how they turn and they fly and they do this and that. So he's bought us all discs and then he tortures us by playing us in disc golf and crushing us into the yeah, ground. beating you badly, and, beating you badly. And it, it would you know it was fun because uh, I didn't suck as horribly as I usually do. So <laughs> I think that uh, I might try to spend the rest of the summer playing one round of disc golf. Uh, every weekend or something i mean i'll suck but but you know you don't get to throw balls in the water i guess you throw discs in the water well this new place that we're living i mean you stand out on the balcony of this place you look right over the fence to a golf course and we've yet to get out there 
Um, but that is something that um, I want to start, you know, take up once again. There was, it's been a long time since I've played more than one round of golf a year. And, um, and the interesting thing is, you know, we've sat out there and watched a lot of twosomes and foursomes go by. And I'm really surprised on this golf course, the percentage of people that are actually walking the course or, you know, pulling, pulling right. their little pull carts and not, not in the motorized carts, um, really quite surprised. So good on them. And, and, um, the way to get some extra, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Nebraska. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's that slow time of year. And, um, you know, before we get into football, something just popped into my head. Um, there were, uh, there was news from the baseball front. I just want to mention these real quick. Um, we've talked baseball a lot recently and, and, um, you know, we've had some pretty good discussions on coordination and, and that type of thing. But uh, one of the players that um, we were really hoping would uh, return, one of the seniors, uh, has chosen not to, and that's pitcher Cody Frank. And um, it sounds like uh, he's going to look for some other opportunities. Uh, Aaron, one of our baseball writers, is speculating that uh, maybe he isn't um, – he, 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 it doesn't look, maybe it doesn't look like he'll have a starting spot or that he'll contend for a, a starting spot coming up next year. And he, he might want that elsewhere. Um, but th that one's a disappointment to me. Cody Frank is one of those guys that, um, you know, why he didn't have, I mean, he didn't have an all-star season, but doggone it, that guy, um, pitched well, very well at times. So, Pretty dependable. Yeah. Very dependable. And Ben um, Ken didn't know his name. <laughs> exactly. Frank Cody. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other news, well, two other pieces of news from the baseball front this week, Cam Chick, who had announced that he was uh, ending his baseball career and was going to hang around Nebraska and finish up his degree, uh, has said now that he's going to enter the portal and look for an opportunity to uh, play another year. And then Braxton Bragg, who had announced that um, he was leaving the program a couple weeks ago. He's ended up down at Dallas Baptist, which. Oh, is that where he went? I looked at DBU and I thought, what the hell is that? Dallas Baptist isn't a slouch. No, that's good baseball. That's yeah. good baseball down there. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's landed in a good spot. So, but back to the, on the, on the football front, um, you know, Nebraska had their first um, Friday night lights, um, Whatever extravaganza where they brought camp. in all these recruits. It's a camp. Camp? Okay. Camp. Friday Night Lights camp. They had they... s'mores. <laughs> and with those s'mores, it kind of makes it easier to catch the football because you get all that sticky marshmallowy stuff all over it. So they had a lot of uh, big-name recruits on campus, it sounds like, and, and Nebraska did pick up a, a new commitment from uh, Scott's Bluff, uh, looks like an offensive lineman by the name of Brock Knudsen, uh, played at Mitchell for three years, I guess, before transferring to Scott's Bluff. And um, what, do you, what do you know about Brock Knudsen, John? <laughs> I think he was, uh, well, what was he, 6'7", 270 pounds, so it looks like he could put a lot more uh, weight on his frame. Offensive tackle. I think he was ranked the sixth best player in Nebraska. There seems to be a lot of Nebraska players or a lot of, of uh, 
you know, kids that are getting noticed in Nebraska where most of the time they just kind of went by. And I want, I, I, I suppose if I knew followed recruiting a lot closer, we do need a recruiting writer at Coronation, please apply uh, that uh, we would know why that is. But I mean, there's not really a lot to say about him other than, uh, let's see, 712th overall player in the nation, sixth in the state of Nebraska, 49th best offensive tackle nationally, a three-star recruit, beat out Kansas, Miami of Ohio, Arizona State, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Um, I, I guess, you know, let's see what he can do. He's a, well, he's a, he's a, you know, one of those big raw Nebraska kids. And yeah. I didn't realize it until I ran across an article that, you know, while Nebraska, you know, recruits nationally and, you know, pursue, has pursued over the years, some, you know, some big name uh, offensive linemen, when it actually comes to Nebraska players, offensive linemen that go into the NFL, at least recently, They've been Nebraska kids, um, you know. Cam Jurgens being the most recent, uh, you know, in the, that who was drafted this last year. Um, but but that is kind of interesting. And you know, when you look at the the next few years, uh, you know, some of the some of the be- the bigger names, I guess, or higher ranked offensive linemen that are on the team are in fact Nebraska natives. Yeah, I, I don't even think about – and you know what all, the only thing I'm thinking about when it comes to football? What are you thinking about? Northwestern, that's it. That's the only thing really that matters, exists. Isn't it? Yes, that is it. That is the only thing that matters right now. You can look ahead and go, well, we'll be 6-0 and all going, fuck you, you're not. Don't do that shit. I was with a bunch of people who uh, – my coworkers where we had a pizza party because whenever I'm around, they have to have a pizza party. And they were, t- they were like asking me, what do you think about Nebraska football? And I thought it's fucking June. I don't even think about that shit until August because, you know, otherwise you got to spend two months going, hey, when's it going to be here? When's it going to be here? <sighs> and it's exhausting. Well, I, I concur with you, John. And, you know, we all know what it's like in the off season and, you know, particularly the print media that we all follow pretty close and they're, they always have to, come up with some kind of storyline to keep Nebraska football in front of uh, the, the fan base. But uh, I've, I have found it interesting how there have been some of these, um, there have been a number of articles recently about um, how strategic uh, Scott Frost has been in his off season and his decision-making. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Say all you want. You know, bringing in what five new coaches, um, fifteen kids through the portal, all of these changes, and you know there there is something to be excited about. I mean, no question. The, the players look great. They the really players, do. The players do look great. Um, you know, you kind of hope that the offense uh, can match. You know, they're kind of marrying two systems together. Uh, you got to hope that um, the players can grasp it and uh, execute it. Uh, and, and, you know, let's face it, John, every year, um, most fans are pretty optimistic about what's going to happen. And uh, I, I just think that's human nature. But the bottom line is none of it makes a rat's ass bit of difference 
if they don't go over to Ireland and yeah. be Northwestern. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and it's really um, it is. I, I could care less if it's by one point or, you know, if it's by 20 points or whatever, it really doesn't matter. And I could care less about how Nebraska looks, you know, remember back in the days, John, when back Nebraska, in the days, back in the days when, when people were arguing about style points, you know, Nebraska might put up 56 points and, and win 56 to 10, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good 56 points. You know, it was a bad 56 points. Remember those days? Yes. <laughs> People would be pissed off. We didn't just destroy somebody. And uh, was it, who was it? Dale Klein, seven field goals against Missouri one time. Everybody was pissed off and basically said, that's a loss. You can't, you can't win field games by kicking field goals. This isn't even a win. You know, like, fuck, kiss my ass. It's still, you know, seven field goals, I think it was, against Missouri. Seven times three is 21, right? Yes. <laughs> I can't remember how many points they had, but that game sticks out. Have you seen that Adrian Martinez is just talking about his Kansas State team and everybody thinks he's talking smack about Nebraska? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's, that's laughable. I mean – what is Adrian Martinez, the perceived QB1 at Kansas State, what is he supposed to be talking about? What is he supposed to be saying? I mean, if he isn't saying things like, this is the most talented team I've been around, what's he supposed to say? Well, these guys are pretty good, but they're not as talented as the Nebraska team that I played with the last few years. Is that really, I mean, really? That's what you expect to hear Adrian Martinez say. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the, the fucking sensitive slacks by everybody. I mean, somebody posted in our Slack, uh, I, he, a quote from him, I want to win. That's why I came to Kansas State. Well, okay, that's probably not why he went to Texas. You know, I, I guess I don't get the animosity toward the guy. You know, I, I don't think. I think it was a good idea for him to lose. I think he needed one season somewhere else to just, you know, let's see if he can win at Kansas State. I'm all for the guy. Stop being so fucking sensitive about everything yeah. he said. He's not our, even our guy anymore. I'm, I'm all for him, too. Uh, you know, I'll be rooting for him. And, you know. That means you're rooting for Kansas State. Th that's fine. I'll root for Kansas State. Um, you know, it's it's he's just. Oh, it's a voice from beyond something. Greg. Greg. Hi, guys. <laughs> you sound like you're not only in Carlsberg cabin, Carlsbad cabin, but like at the very far end of it, your phone is at the other end. I'm sorry. Is that better? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I was sitting here waiting for you all to introduce me and say, hey, welcome to the show, but apparently we don't I just got to take your, We don't have your hosting skills, Greg. Well, that's apparent, Todd. <laughs> Plus Greg. that, you kept going in and out there. They, from my standpoint as the, the host, all I kept seeing was your audio connecting and reconnecting. Well, I, on my end, it said that I was muted, so I kept trying to unmute myself. And uh, and it never worked. So I just and then it says 
the host would like uh, you to unmute. So I, apparently, you had me muted, John, and I had John to was you muting to, you, Greg. John was no, doing it on purpose. I did. I, I muted him. I for, knew it. He's been. I I muted been you. Trying to silence me from the beginning. Because what I kept hearing was. <laughs> That saying, you know, I did that to my boss the other day. The yeah, I did. I I, I was talking to him, and I got tired of talking to him, and I just went, "Oh God, <laughs> your connection's breaking up," and then I hung up on him. So the yeah. good news is, I should be home within ten minutes and able to jump on the computer and, and rejoin <laughs> this conversation already in progress. Okay, well, Greg. But so I, yes, Todd. Yeah, well, well, you know, since you're here and since we've yes. been talking about Adrian Martinez. Yes. And uh, both of us are kind of of the opinion that there are uh, that uh, the Nebraska fans that are being critical of statements attributed to him are just simply thin skinned. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I w- wanted to chime in on. Um, it, it's funny. And look, I'm going to piss off a lot of people here. But it's funny, the people who are getting upset and offended by his comments, like you said, what do you expect him to say, are the same people who jump into comment sections to call people snowflakes for being offended by everything. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, for God's sakes, what, you're, you hit it the nail on the head. What is he supposed to go to his new school? And like, yeah, I sure do wish I had uh, that receiving room from Lincoln. So, No. He's got to go. He's got to be excited. You wouldn't, you wouldn't change jobs. And when asked about it, you know, by a, a I, I'm, I guess media is, you know, unrealistic because nobody, you know, gives a crap if you're going from company A to company B. If it's not, you know, if you don't have a spotlight, but you're you're not going to, you know, switch teams in a corporate setting, and then you know go be like. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of really wishing that I would have stuck it out over there, you know, before you get settled in at your new place. The, it's it's unrealistic for fans to expect that. Uh, you know, he what you wouldn't want Casey Thompson to come out you know, and say, uh, yeah, no, I kind of think I made a mistake. <laughs> you know, it, it it's it's the same damn thing, and for people to you know, be so up in arms about it. It's like, get off the cross. We need the fucking wood. <laughs> wow. wow. That's okay. a good one. I like That's that. A, yeah. Well, it, it just, it, it just kind of blows my mind, but uh, you know, um, it would be interesting if um, someone were to, you know, kind of do a deep dive into the, uh, diverse and somewhat schizophrenic Nebraska fan base. Um, That's been yeah. the nature of corn nation throughout its existence. There you go. And, and we have yeah. been both diverse and schizophrenic. There you go. Yeah. Well, we had a, John and I have a college friend that did write a book about the Nebraska fan base called Huskerville, but uh, I, I don't know that I think that it's more focused on uh, the uh, commitment and dedication and passion that fans have, but Holy smokes. I mean, well, and, and let's not forget, while we're talking about projects the fans have put out on, on Husker fans, uh, let's not forget about uh, our, our, our good friend uh, Ryan uh, and his uh, documentary, Through These Gates. I'm sorry, I, I'm I was little... looking at I was looking at a Twitter thing from Steve Sippel that was... Jesus, just... John! 
What? I'm sorry. Through these gates from uh, our, our buddy Ryan Tweedy. Yeah. Uh, from from the big, formerly of the Big Red Cobcast. It's it's out there. It's tremendous. It's all about Husker fandom. Uh, but I don't know. The problem is, and I'm not saying that we're fair weather. I'm not saying we're wishy washy, but we because this this identity of the state ebbs and flows with the success of one college sports team then you're either at the at the peak or in the valley and there's no and look I get excited we're right when I jumped in uh, to the call you're talking about uh, you know uh, John I think you said it you're not caring about anything except Northwestern and you don't even care about that until August. But I'm, I'm a person, you know, I tend to drink the Kool-Aid. I always tend to be a little bit more on the optimistic side. I realized that after 20 years of, you know, disappointment that what used to be that mentality where it used to be the, uh, the rule is somewhat, you know, tinkering on being the exception. And like, I'm not going to, I'm not here to tell anybody how to fan, you know, like that's not, that's not my place. That's not my job. And at the end of the day, I don't care, but I hope that I haven't harped on this. I hope that I haven't brought it up too much to make people uncomfortable, but I learned uh, a real important lesson in September of night uh, of uh, 2017 when we lost Brian uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I hate, referencing it all the time because I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm bringing it up for, you know, what, but like, there's so much more to life than the success and or failures of a college football team. Even one as beloved and important to us all as uh, Nebraska, you know? Um, so I don't, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't know, what to make of, of Husker fandom in, in, in totality, but to hit the nail on the head when you said schizophrenic. <laughs> I can't. The reason I don't get excited until August is because I can't keep it up that long. There is no I know, Bluetooth with, with the help of Bluetooth. optimism about football. <laughs> it just flat out, it doesn't work that way. It's kind of like, okay, I got enough energy for – us Big Ten media days is when I start going, okay, how does the things really look realistically? But people want to talk about it year round. But I, I can't, well, I can't you know, maintain the level and, of energy and to, and to, that, to be optimistic. And, and it's unfortunate. Like, I, again, I know, you know, the, the I, as I mentioned, the identity kind of being, you know, it, it's what we hung our hat on for so long. But now you have so many other options. Like you have a world-class – volleyball program you have a softball program that's done tremendous things you have women's basketball that has yes ebbed and flowed but they played you know tremendously so you don't have to isolate on on the one uh, specific sport you know just be like husker sports in general and you're going to find a lot of things to cheer about i agree with that so and, todd uh, what, what's the next topic well there you are you transitioning or are you still with us? <laughs> I am going to be moving to the laptop. Yes. 
<laughs> that, that's what I meant. That's <laughs> Speaking of transitioning, Steve Sippel recently transitioned from the Lincoln Journal, whatever they are now, to On3. Apparently, uh, like Sean Callahan and a whole bunch of people decided to leave where they were at for a very long time and go to a new platform. And S Steve Sippel uh, tweets tonight, that Turner Corcoran said, Coach Rayola's terms are you want your defender to be 10 yards away from the line of scrimmage or on his back. It was one of the first things he said to us in December when he got to campus. And Sip's uh, comment is that's a mentality shift. Where's the, wait, does Greg Austin tell him to fall down on their fucking legs? I don't, is he reaching? I mean, that's a giant, that, if you're going to write a column about that, it's kind of like just, I don't know. That's that's why I don't get excited about shit until August. Because you're honestly picking a tiny fucking shit like that to build a column off of. And honestly, I, it's, it's crap. Because your last offensive line coach did not say, oh, be sure to fall down and not block anybody in the first two steps off the line. You know what I mean? 10 yards away from the line of scrimmage or on his back is pretty much a standard line from any offensive line coach that's ever existed. So uh, that's my ranty bit. There you go. Well, <laughs> I offensive line is the aspect of the game that I have the least knowledge about um, from a technical standpoint. And uh, while I concur with you, John, <laughs> I do recall um, a big brouhaha at um, a school where I was employed as a principal when um, the uh, established coaching staff used a zone blocking scheme. And in fact, the uh, offensive line coach at that particular high school, uh, each summer uh, he would go to the University of Iowa and to Iowa State and spend time with those coaches there. And it wasn't so much that he was learning from them. It was that they were sharing ideas. And since his retirement, he's written a couple of books on offensive line play. Maybe I should buy a book so I'd learn about it. But anyway, um, someone new criticized his, uh, the, the, the type of offensive line play they had because the boys weren't blasting you know, off the line of scrimmage and weren't driving and driving, driving. They were very, it was very important for them to be technically sound and in the right spot and to take the right steps and that type of thing. So I know there is at least a little bit of a different philosophy. So can you see that? I can see that. Can you read what it is? It's something line. I can't read the assembly line. That would be by Melt Teniper. It's signed to me. Anyway, I was going to do a YouTube video on this book. It is uh, Milt Timber, Tenor, good God, Milt Tenniper's The Assembly Line book, and it's all about offensive line blocking. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm going to, I think I'll do a YouTube video on this because it's, it, I mean, it is an offensive line blocking book, and he goes through all of the, the stuff that made the Osborne teams kick ass. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll save a bunch of it for the YouTube video. There you go. There you go. Well, Greg, um, before we started recording, John and I talked about um, 
coming out, how we were, what, something we were going to talk about tonight. And I suggested that each of us come up with three things uh, about college football from when we were growing up that are gone that we miss. And um, if you want to play along, and if you can come up with a few things that spur of the moment, you know, something uh, that you liked about college football back when you were a kid that aren't along, aren't around anymore, uh, you can join in and play. Well, there you go. About, I'm still working on the laptop, but, uh, or working on getting to the laptop. What's what can you think of? Let's start. We'll just kind of do a round robin three times around. Okay. You want me to go first? Well, let's start with John. Thank you. John. <laughs> well, I said winning and you said that was too easy. That is too easy. That's like Husker. too easy? Well, I was I wasn't thinking specific to Nebraska football. I mean, right. But I was thinking in general. What were some things that you remember about college football from when you were a kid that you missed? Wild Brenzer. Okay. Expand on that a little bit. Well, I mean, when you're when I was a kid, I mean you you have to realize people now, every game is on TV. I mean, not just for Nebraska, but every team everywhere is every game is on TV. And that was rarely the case when I, when, when Todd and I was young. And I mean, you, you usually had like one or two games on a year, right. On one of the three channels we got, you know, and of course every year it was Oklahoma, Nebraska had to be on TV. Ohio state, Michigan was a team that I, a game I always watched when I was young uh, Notre Dame was on TV a lot because they're Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Uh, because uh, you didn't have the games on the TV, you had to have a really good radio guy. Right. And Lyle Bremser, it, when you were young, it was incredible at announcing the games. And I, I think that that part is missing where a guy with just his voice could let you feel like you were in the stadium, have the emotion, set the emotion of the game. And, you know, I can remember like my small town of Curtis, we have a fall festival every year and people would be moving around, moving around. And you'd hear Lyle Bremser's voice come up on the radio and everybody literally would stop. Like they were in some kind of magic spell. They would just stop what they were doing to hear what Lyle Bremser was saying is, you know, Nebraska scored another touchdown, you know, and of course his most famous call is the uh, Johnny Rogers tore him loose from their shoes game of the century in 1971 against Oklahoma. I got him jumping in the aisle or dancing in the aisle, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but he did, he had such a, you know, a way he, that wasn't his just only phrases. I mean, he came up no. with stuff all the time that was just amazing as a radio announcer. And I think, uh, I don't know, a simpler time, Todd. Yeah. No, I, 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 completely, <laughs> I completely concur. You know, I, at the time Lyle Bremser was around, um, I was not a Nebraska fan. And so while this isn't one of my three things, I, I can relate to that because Pete Taylor was the voice of the Iowa state cyclones and you couldn't go anywhere when I was a kid driving around the state of Iowa on a, on a Saturday when Jim Zobel wasn't going totally bonkers with his, I love it. I love it. I love it with the Iowa Hawkeyes. But yeah, those voices of those, of those, you know, iconic radio guys, that's, that is something. Well, here's, here's what, here's one thing that I miss. Um, I miss one thirty kickoffs. I miss, I miss that one thirty kickoff where, you know, it, it, 
1.30 Eastern time. That's when most of the teams out there started and 1.30 Central. And it kind of worked its way through. And, you know, after your game was over, you might be able to catch the second half of, you know, a, a game from the West Coast. And then, you know, eventually they might have an evening game. But I tell you what, I do not like 11 o'clock games. I'm okay at times with night games. But that 1.30 was the perfect time of day to have, have a kickoff for college football. Um, Greg, do you got what, what's one that you have, or have you been able to come up with one? You're, can't hear you, Greg. You're muted. No, I was going to say I'm working on getting into the uh, thing on my computer here. So uh, as soon as the host let me lets me in, John. Right, uh, the dog is, you know, the dog is in being, this is a June podcast, isn't it? We're going to have four listeners on this one. My <laughs> God, the dog decided to crawl underneath my feet. Now she's all over the place. Everything's going bonkers. What did you want? I just let you in. Thank you. Uh, how about you guys uh, fill a little bit more time while I get logged okay. in? All right. I'll have one that's not as happy. Okay, go ahead. And that is our complete ignorance about the brain injuries involved in college football. And I, Marion Barber passed away recently at the age of 38. And he was, I think, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, which I'm not right. a Dallas Cowboy fan. But he played for the Gophers, and he played along with Lawrence Maroney, and the two of them together were probably one of the best tandem of college running backs in the history of the game. Uh, I think Glenn Mason was their coach, but he was fabulous to watch. And when they came out with a cause of death for him, it was kind of like everything they could do to not just say it was CTE. You know, and now we're seeing, you know, guys who end their lives or they – you know, they deteriorate to the point that they become a shell of themselves. And, uh, you know, back in the day, we didn't, we, we were so, we didn't know anything about it. So ignorance was bliss. I hate to be a downer, but uh, I kind of miss being ignorant. Well, you know, I, I, there's a lot to, to say about that. It's kind of like we lost our innocence, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tragic to say that because, you know, I've, I have some acquaintances that um, uh, know or knew Mick Tinglehoff and, uh, you know, former Nebraska player, former player for the Minnesota Vikings, who, you know, his, his mind, his brain was scrambled pretty good in his later years due to, you know, the, the battering that he took, so to speak. But, um, yeah, it, what, it was like it, we, we didn't know about it. And, yeah. Well, the next one I have, and, and Greg, I'm going to guess you don't remember this. I'm going to guess that I don't remember a lot of this shit. We'll see, if, we'll see if John remembers. On Sunday mornings, if your parents didn't drag you to church, you could watch Notre Dame highlights with Lindsey Nelson. And I don't remember that. What they did, and maybe, maybe because I lived in Iowa as a kid and wasn't that far from Big Ten country, uh, Notre Dame country, I guess. But what they did is, you know, overnight they would um, uh, edit the uh, Notre Dame game against whoever they played and, um, you know, shorten it up into an hour show 
on Sunday morning. And they had the Bob Devaney show. Well, the Tom well, they, Osborne show. They ran this. They they replayed the game. And, you know, right. if there was a couple of series where nothing happened, Lindsey Nelson, I wish I could imitate his voice because he was really something. But, you know, and, you know, in further action, you know, <laughs> they move, move ahead, you know, and uh, quite honestly, that's, you know, you'd hear of schools that I wasn't familiar with, you know, Purdue, they play against Purdue and that type of thing. But, you know, those, those, um, you know, and, and, well, that's, I'll just leave it at that. So I, I kind of missed They that. did, they did that with the Bob Devaney show. I remember the Bob Devaney show when I was a little kid. Sure. Or they'd ask Bob, what happened on this play? And Bob would crack jokes and we'd have a good time. Do any coaches like have coaches shows anymore? I, I, I'm sure they do. I'm sure there's a PJ Fleck there show there somewhere because PJ Fleck would want to have a show called the PJ Fleck show. It's an hour of Fleck. <laughs> Oh, but uh, <clears throat> did you come up with anything, Greg? Yeah. Uh, best I can come up with is uh, in, in regards to this specific topic is a misspent youth because growing up where I did, when I did, we didn't have football around. Like we didn't, the Rams didn't come around until the mid nineties and nobody was following it, we're talking about Illini football this far downstate. Um, so I, I don't, it, I remember my grandpa would, would have, you know, cause we're all Catholic. So if we were happen to be over there, grandpa would have, you know, the Notre Dame game on, you know, in the afternoon, like that's the only team that would be on. But like, I, th- I think the thing that I miss the most about college football in my youth is that like, the missed opportunities, you know, I didn't, didn't take, you know, we didn't watch those. I remember my dad, I, I want to say it was 92, 93. I, I remember my dad specifically was rooting for Nebraska over Miami. Uh, I remember that. Um, and I, while I don't remember exactly why I feel like I can pretty much base it on context of, you know, like, Oh, well, Nebraska plays the right way or, you know, something, something along those like cultural differences between the Midwest and, and the Southeast. Um, so I remember that, but even then I, I had no real knowledge of, you know, at that time of, of ne- the Nebraska corners. I'm like, okay, well it's football. And, you know, I, I don't, but I, it's not something that we watched. Like in, in my house, it, we were, you know, we watched Cardinal baseball we watch, you know, college basketball. Uh, I don't, I don't say this like to brag or anything like that, but like my dad, when he was in high school, he received a letter uh, from Bobby Knight, uh, gauging interest on on his going to Indiana to, to play uh, college basketball, and he ended up, you know, obviously not going that path, which is probably for the best because. If he had, I wouldn't be here, or at least I wouldn't be this version of the person that I am. It, depending on who you talk to, that may or may not be for the best also. But I, I digress. We didn't – so go like college football, while like I understood that it existed, it wasn't – you know, it wasn't a priority in, in my house the way – growing up the way it is now. You know, college football Saturdays. Now, you, you mentioned uh, 
Todd, just or your both, both you old farts uh, in unison are uh, like going back to, oh, I missed when you couldn't watch your team every week and you had to listen to them on the radio. And, <laughs> and we missed the iconic voices. And and that better not be a digital radio. It better be analog. I want to turn some knobs like I'm tuning in Tokyo, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I, for, I for one appreciate the fact that I, I, I can watch Nebraska football. So I don't I don't miss. I, I don't. I, I don't harken back to days before quality technology, you know. Uh, but on, for me, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A college football Saturday with Nebraska Cornhusker football is the only time I sit down and have to watch something live, or. Maybe not. I and because sir, I don't even get to do that. But it's the only thing that I make a point to watch. You know, before I jump on the internet, it, it's like a Marvel movie. You know, it, it, I I don't want the ending to be spoiled for me. You know, I I, I want to make sure that I can watch it. I want to uh, have these uh, raw, uncut emotions. Uh, but I, get, I didn't get any of that. Saturdays at my house were like, you know, if it's summertime, it's go pull weeds. If it's fall, it's you know, go clean your room, you know, things like that. It, Saturdays were for chorin, you know, um, it wasn't for sitting around watching TV. You, you realize, Greg, mm-hmm. you realize that the Nebraska Oklahoma game in Nebraska was required watching, not just because of football, but because it was our wholesome, pure morality against them. Satan led. <laughs> Dirty, evil, cheating sons of bitches from Oklahoma. This wasn't just football. It was a battle between good and evil. And too many times evil wham. Wham? Wham. <laughs> One. No, I no, I, I do. I get it. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm I'm really sorry that I missed out on all that. You know, like so when when you asked me, you know, or when you posed the topic of you know, three things we miss, you know college football related from our youth. I'm like, I missed college football, you know, kind of, kind of in its entirety. So um, in, in right, you know, even though dad lives, you know, a half hour that way, just because of my kids and and things like they're still active. Like they still want to get out and do yard work. I'm like, y'all are retired. What the hell are you doing Monday through Friday? Let's sit down and watch a football game. (laughs) But you know, he's nice enough uh, to ask, uh, you know, who the Huskers are playing. And, and in recent years, he's, he's also nice enough to not bring it up on Sunday morning at church when things likely don't go our way. Um, But, you know, I would, I would kill to, you know, be in my early twenties, you know, just, just, yeah, we'll go with that on the, for the safety of, of, of legality, early twenties to, to sit and watch a a college football game uh, on a Saturday with my dad and drink a couple of cold beers. Sure. Well, the, we got one more to go, and uh, I, I'm going to go first because John's got the best one um, and uh, the best thing that, that he misses, and, and I would have to concur. But um, the, the, the number one thing that I miss, I guess, that I'm going to uh, put in here would be I miss New Year's Day bowl games and that whole New yeah. Year's Day, the way that it was. And that started, <laughs> that started with the Rose Bowl Parade. And then you had to make a decision. 
you know, as to what was going to be the first game that you were going to watch. Cotton Bowl usually was on, um, maybe a couple of other bowl bowl games. But then, you know, the the focal point was the Rose Bowl, of course, and, you know, with all the beauty and the pageantry, because they didn't have another game scheduled at that time. You know, so that was the only one on in that time slot. And then that evening, you would have um, the Orange Bowl, of course. And generally speaking, there would have been a, a, a Big 12 team at the time in that game, or a Big 8 team, and uh, generally Oklahoma or Nebraska, or the two of them. And, um, you know, sometimes they'd have the Sugar Bowl in the evening, too. I think the Sugar Bowl moved. But I guess I miss that day because, you know, you would plan your whole day. You would plan your snacks. You would plan everything. And you hoped for chaos because, you know, there was there were there were usually, you know, maybe two, three, sometimes four teams that at the end of the day could potentially be voted as the national champion. And no, it's not a pure championship, you know, with like playoffs and that kind of thing. But boy, I'll tell you what, it could be awful riveting, you know, uh, when you watch those late games on, on New Year's Day. I feel like there's, there's something, <clears throat> maybe it's the chaos theory or, but something that really compelling, you know, about like, look, we're not drawing this out till the middle of January. You know, we're not having a, a yeah. Because people complain about the playoff system. People complain about the BCS. I'm sure people complained about, you know, this uh, bygone system that Todd's talking about from the 1890s. The bygone. Uh, wow. <laughs> but to just, and this isn't me like you know, less football, you know, that, that's not what I'm saying at all, but to, to know, you know, yeah, we got four contenders and by, by this time tomorrow, these sports writers or, or the coaches or whomever will have made a selection based on the outcomes of today. That would have been really interesting. You know, uh, uh, it, it's unfortunate it was before my time because I'm so young. <laughs> well, John, you know, go, with, uh, go with what you say, what you miss the most. You keep banging something around on your desk. What the hell are you hitting there, Todd? Jeez. I got to Things are just not lined up real well. It, oh my God, we're all having problems. It's your <laughs> joints, isn't it? You I need did, to start taking fish oil and glucose. I do, I do, and I did. I did drink Spotted Cow tonight from oh. New Glarus. So, I I would say the thing I probably miss the most is Keith Jackson, because I think Keith Jackson just knew how to. Keith Jackson, like Lyle Bremser earlier on the radio, Keith Jackson knew how to present a college football big game, I think, better than anybody who's ever existed. And I, the, the thing, I mean, he has his catchphrase of, whoa, Nelly. But I think the thing that he did best is he knew when to shut up, you know, and he knew when to let the game be itself and let the game take the center stage. The other thing he did for the world as he kept the arrogant son of a bitch sidekick, Bob Greasy, in place so he wasn't so much of a prick that he overshadowed everything. Because Bob Greasy, after Keith Jackson retired, was just like, oh, my God, the pricks come out. And he was just a bucket of shit. But you look at the announcers now. I don't mind. I don't think I hate. I don't hate Kirk Herbstreet, I think, as much as most Nebraskans do. I don't think he's bad. 
I don't, he's not Keith Jackson, but whenever I I'm sitting there and I turn on TV and I go, you know, I think I'll watch this SEC game for a while. Well, who's doing the fucking SEC game? It's Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson. Jesus, those two. I got a bit three minutes into that or five minutes into that. And I have to turn off the sound because it's it just, first of all, Gary Danielson, most of the time, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. He's just spewing fucking shit into the air and hoping it sticks somewhere. And then Vern Lundquist, it, I don't know. I don't know. Just, I can't stand him. Yeah, well, uh, they, they, I go literally, I want to kill something after about five minutes. You know, Gus Johnson, you can love him. <laughs> you can love him and you can hate him. Uh, I mean, he can get a little bit much at times. I think he does have a good job. One of my favorite guys that nobody knows about is, uh, who is it? Petros. Petros Papadakis. Papadakis. And I love him because he does not have a voice for TV or radio, but he gives hope to everybody like me who could never <laughs> do that, that maybe we could be able to be a TV announcer at some point. Well, he calls the game kind of like a fan, too. I mean, you know, he played the game. But there's a level of excitement, you know, when he's when he's calling the game. Chris Fowler, I think, does a really good job. Reese Davis, I don't think he calls games much, but he, I think he's he's just even keel enough. He doesn't get in the way. And, and that's kind of, I think, what I want most from an announcer is don't get in the way. Well, the Gary, thing- Gary, say, Gary Danielson, I think that's maybe that's what drives me nuts about him is he just tries to. He tries to insert too much of here's what's happening, and he's fucking not even close sometimes. And, and it's like, com- just just shut up. It's a completely different animal, too. So I'm not at all equating my radio experience to being ESPN, SEC Network, Big Ten Network, Fox, anything like that. But when you're doing radio, you have to talk more to create the visual. There, there's a reason why you can watch a baseball game on TV and the announcers will say 50 words an entire inning because they're, you know, it, they're letting the, the pictures, you know, speak for themselves. I have done, uh, again, in no way am I equating one to the other, but I've done football broadcasts, basketball broadcasts, baseball, volleyball broadcasts uh, as a one man show. And that's both challenging like i did it was challenging but it was so fun um because and and i'm not taking anything away from people that i i worked with you know uh be it color commentators or anything like that i i have had some people step on my on my big calls and and uh and you know that's that's okay you know at the end of the day the the good the good boys won um but you have to be you know, the, the statistician, you had to be the play-by-play, the color uh, commentator, color analyst, all these things. You know, there were times when I was up in, in Shadron, and after the game, uh, I remember specifically at home games where I could still have some control and, and, and some uh, immediate communication with the guy back in the studio. As soon as I got done with, like, here are the post-game stats – I'm running down on the field because I'm going to find a player and I'm doing an on-field post-game interview right there live on the air. You know, things like that were tremendously 
I was going to say joyful, but I don't know if that's overplaying my hand, but you know, it was, it was a really funny to be, God, to think that I, I left Nebraska in the end of 20, 2006. So, I mean, it's been almost 16 years since I've been, been out of that uh, beautiful state. Um, but I, I don't forget where I was going with it. Anyway, no, um, it, it, it's completely, it's a different animal. Uh, radio to TV, like TV, you should talk less, not more. Right. I guess is what I'm going back to bring it full circle for you, John. I'm sorry. Well, you know, the other thing about Keith Jackson, you know, he, he became iconic when not every team was playing on television every week. You know, I mean, he would have the feature game of the three channels and, you know, but his, just his humility that, comfortable syrupy southern twang that he had and you know his his one-liners the whoa nelly and and all of that kind of stuff just kind of endeared him to people but he was also incredibly knowledgeable and you know we are so bombarded with information anymore i mean you know we know so much about um well all of us being nebraska fans we know so much about the coaches and the players and you know, with all those little bit different storylines. Well, back in the day, that that information wasn't readily accessible. But Keith Jackson could could also wind some storytelling into, you know, his right. broadcast from time to time. And it just kind of, you know, opened your eyes to, to some neat things. So anyway, well, Greg, um, John and I have um, we've we've fired our blanks. Um, oh god everything okay we fired our blanks greg okay congratulations Uh, on the blanks that you fired anything greg do you have anything that uh you'd like to discuss or quiz us upon or pontificate about if i'm being 100 honest guys no (laughs) <laughs> no i i i jumped in uh you know when you were talking about uh newt uh the new i think his name is newt uh canute. the canute yeah. is it really canute or is the k silent i, I hope the k is silent for right. his sake the the kid from scott's bluff oh the uh, brock knutson yeah okay cool I was. I mean, that's generally point. that's generally the Scandinavian method of pronouncing that name. I'm not sure if it's 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 going to be Knutson or Knutson. I guess actually, it'd be if, if if it's true Scandinavian, it'd be Brock Knutson. <laughs> I mean, is it is you know the, it's, it's Knut Rockney also. So is that no. with the Finnish dialect or the Norwegian? Or I want to say Knut would be Norwegian. It's definitely not Swedish. No. And because there's no O. Well, yeah, but Swedish is Bork, 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 Bork. That's, I feel bad that that's the most that I can contribute to the end of this show, guys. I feel really bad. Well, then, Greg. Yes, sir. Um, since I did such a crappy job with my intro, I don't know what it was. What was your intro? Just the typical. It was great. Todd it was great. It was great. He did an excellent job. Todd, I'm going to uh, email 
my intro verbatim to you, or you can just pay a little closer attention when we well, do it's these. Not, it's not that I don't pay attention. It's that I don't remember things very good. So, Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Filling in for our host, Greg Mahashka, our regular host, Greg Mahashka, this week, I'm Todd Wolverton, joined as always, by our founder and fearless glass. leader, you John Dam Johnson. Glass. I mean, that is he just did amazing. he did the radio thing. It's not I fair. Well, okay, so then, Greg, teach mm-hmm. me the teach me the get out of it. I I will do that. Um, hey, you know what? Canute is actually German. I know you waited for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Oh yeah, East Slavic. What the hell? Okay, anyway. All right. Are we done, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thumbs up all around. If, if, if we get a unanimous three thumbs up, then we're out of here. Hey, I'm just checking to make sure we got through everything. You didn't have anything. <laughs> okay. Okay, there we go. Hey, John, it's, it's like uh, launching a, a nuclear weapon. We have to all turn our keys at the same time. For, <laughs> for <it to> go. <laughs> um, all right, well... I have to thank uh, Todd Wolverton because although he doesn't believe in himself as, as much as I do, I know he got the show off to a rip roar and start. So thank you, Todd. Uh, John, he, with the bandana, all I can say is don't go changing. I, you, do you guys think I should get a haircut soon? Yes. I've been saying that for two <laughs> fucking years. Yes. Why? Because you're 60 years old. I can and do this. Respectable 60-year-olds don't have long hair. Oh, well, there's You're your not problem. a tree hugger. You're not a biker. There's your problem. <laughs> I I have no interest in being a respectable 60-year-old soul. <laughs> Fuck that shit. I'm also going to upset all the, you know, 60-year-olds with long hair. So Yeah. I'm, I'm, At least five or six of us, maybe <laughs> one listens this podcast. All I can say is I'm here to win. So thanks to Todd. Thank you to John. Thank you to you, the listener and viewer on YouTube for putting up with us in the off season. Uh, All we can say is we are two weeks into June. So about a month from now, we'll actually have more important things to talk about. And if you want to help provide just a a little content, not asking you to do much, but leave a comment uh, on, on the YouTube video or on coordination on the article ask us a question um you know leave a, a comment years back you have to go back to uh, i think the off season of 2018 haas and i counted down our five uh, important things like our five favorite huskers of all time or our five uh, i'd have to do actual research so but you know like our five top five husker moments you know things like that I'd be more than happy to moderate something uh, since my five are already out there, moderate something for John and Todd. So uh, get your list together, boys. We'll have some fun over the next couple of weeks. Is that a rubber band or is that a very small condom? It's a hair tie. (laughs) You should go on. (laughs) By the way, you've heard it here first, folks. A hair tie will not make a successful condom. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of the five part. Things were probably going very well and very respectable before I came on. 
so thank you to you, the viewer and the listener. Uh, so for John, for Todd, I'm Greg Mahachko. We remind you this week and every week, the five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Go Big Red. There's a little unnecessary uh, uh, communism in your... A little communism coming through.